listening to The Sociable Scribes, two professional writers who work hard, play hard, and love to have fun on the job. Word stylist Nikita Rowell-Stevens and publishing consultant Kim Ely talk about the topics and questions they hear most often from their clients. Let's talk about writing, the good, the bad, and the awesome, while addressing popular questions and concerns from real writers like you. If you're a writer, someone who aspires to write, or just wants to learn more about writing and publishing and have a lot of fun along the way, welcome to the tribe. Here are your hosts, Nikita and Kim, two writers who love to socialize, the sociable scribes. So, Nikita, what's behind your curtain today? Well, thank you. Glad you asked, Miss Kim. <laughs> you know, I, I think I'm reflecting because there's been, um, as you know, um, and this is, this is a little bit heavier, but I'm sure it's something that's on so many people's minds, um, the loss of, like, one of our biggest sports legends yes. um, in the last week, Kobe Bryant, yes. which and, and, and his daughter, Gianna, which was such a terrible tragedy, terrible tragedy. Really? And um, it, I, I, it made America, it made the world sad because he was such, he was more than a sports icon. Yeah. And I think that's why his death, not just that he died young, because he did die young, yes. but the fact that he made an impact on people beyond what he did on the basketball court from his work so ethic true. to just the things that you hear people say about the, the character and the type of person that he was. Yeah. And, um, you know, whenever I, for me, whenever bad things happen and sad things happen, I try to reflect on the positive side of it. Yeah. You know, what's the, what's the upside of this? It's hard to see the upside when you see something so tragic happen. But what I thought about was this man was 41 years old and he died very young, but the upside is he built an incredible legacy for himself and his family. Yes. And it's a time, I think, for us as individuals to kind of have a bit of self-reflection in terms of, wow. Look at what he was able to accomplish in 41 short years on this earth. Yes. What the hell am I doing? Right. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, not that, but seriously, it, it, it's kind of, you know, for me, it's a kick in the pants because I'm close to his age. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously it's scary when you think how, one, how fragile life is. True. So that's one thing, but not just how fragile life is, but look, when you look at what someone was able to accomplish it had a pretty much about the same amount of time as you. And you look at what you've done uh, in comparison, it's like, okay, that's kind of an excuse remover. Like, uh, yes. what do I, I want to know that when I'm gone and I leave this earth that I've left a legacy exactly. um, that I can be proud of. And I'm certain that th- though he planned to be here much longer than he was, right. He left this world proud of what he'd accomplished. Oh my God! You know? Yes. And so that—that's kind of what's on my mind. What about you, Kim? What's behind your curtain? Oh, absolutely. First, I want to say that's really when something like this happens, and it really affected me. And and you know, you know, I'm not a, a big sports person, but of course, I even I non-sports person um, know who Kobe Bryant is, and that's that speaks volumes to his reach and his legacy. Yeah. And um. And, um, yeah, I, I, I love what you're talking about. And it did hit me the same way, too, where it was like, it, are we truly making the most of every moment we have? Um, you know, we, we are sometimes when we get caught up in the everyday grind, we might think, well, it, life is going to go on this way forever. And it doesn't, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's a it's. It's so jarring when something like this happens to someone so talented, so vibrant, so full yeah. of life. And But like you said, when you look back and see his life and go, dang, you know, he 
He did it. He was he was, you know, helping kids at basketball camp. He was doing all kinds of amazing things even after retirement and even though, you know, like you were saying his his life did get cut shorter than I'm sure he was expecting. I'm sure he, you know, in heaven is looking back and saying I have no regrets. You know, I'm powerful. So yeah, let that inspire us and say, you know, what can I do today to make a difference for someone else? And um, I think that's Absolutely. huge. Yeah. So awesome. All right. Well, I'm excited to talk about our topic today. And um, let's go ahead and take a quick break. The written word is powerful. If one photo is worth a thousand words, can you imagine the value and power of putting those words to video? Power Up Video works with authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs to help you bring your powerful message to life online. Creating story-driven promotional reels, book trailers, educational course content, and much more. Power up your message with video from Power Up Video. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and at PowerUpVideo.com. I am super excited to talk about today's topic. Me too. Me too. um, I think it's a topic every author needs to explore, and um, I'm excited we're talking about it too. Me too. So today we are talking about treating your book like a business. And I want to start off the topic by saying um, so many... People go into uh, writing books, and of course, I believe it's a it's a passion. I, I like to call it an itch. Um, it's like, oh my gosh, I want to write. It's what I love to do. Um, and for some people, truly, it is, I would say, just a, a, a hobby or something that they enjoy doing. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If if you know, writing is something you just enjoy doing for yourself. Um, maybe you only uh, write a book that you share with a few family members, something like that. That's great. Um, I believe, and, and tell me what you think, Nikita. I, I think we're talking about people who are writers and they have a message to share and they're really interested in reaching as wide of an audience as they can and also um, – uh, let's be candid, make money from their writing as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think you'll find, Kim, for the most part, I would say at least 95% of people that you talk to have a desire to make some kind of income off of their book. Um, there's a different category of people that say, I want to make a career out of it versus those that want to make an income off of their book. But even if you only have the goal of writing one or two books in your lifetime, um, you want people to actually read it. You want to, it to be able to reach as many of the masses as possible. Um, so there's a method to that. It's not something that's just going to happen organically. And I think that that's one of the reasons why we want to talk about this today is so that people understand that there's really not that there's, there's really no difference really between writing a book and running a business. They are one in the same. Exactly. I think that's such a good point. And going back to intention, if your intention is to, and I think you're right about, I think probably about 95% of people really want readers. They want, you know, maybe some monetary compensation, maybe both, you know, uh, they're writing for a reason, but you have to put the thought and intention into it. And that's why I think book as a business is such a beautiful analogy. So, um, so, uh, yeah, so let's start by looking at maybe some of the uh, stages that you do for setting up a business that work for your book. Yeah. Well, I think this is an area that you're very familiar with, Kim, because working on the publishing side of things and helping people get published, there are the things, some of this that we covered in some of our um, previous epi- um, episodes, but little things like your, um, your ISBN number and things like that that you need for your book are very similar to um, the the legal setups that you do when you get a business and you have to get your EIN and all the little things that your book has has to have like its own social per se. Right. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Um, when you uh, purchase an ISBN number, 
um, and most of y'all know, but international standard um, book number, I like to describe it to clients similar to a SKU number. And um, ah. if, if you're no, if you're familiar, if you see those little little lines, like when you, I always pick on Twinkies when you're buying Twinkies. If you see the little square that has all the little lines on it, and that's what you swipe. Like if you do a self checkout, you swipe that little SKU number across. That that's the product identification number for that product of or in this case Twinkies um the ISBN number is the same kind of thing it is the product ID for that book and actually it gets so specific that you have a different ISBN number for each format of books so if you have a paperback a hardback an audiobook and an ebook for a book each one would have a separate ISBN but it makes sense because if you're ordering on Amazon you want to make sure you get the correct format Absolutely. Absolutely. So those things are really important to know in the very beginning when you're getting your book set up. um, Absolutely. To know what you're going to need. Absolutely. Um, And if you are self-publishing... Um, and, and, and the, you had alluded, um, and, and yes, I do this every day <laughs> when I'm helping, uh, clients with setting up, um, an account for them with a self-publishing company, or if clients are setting up or if, um, uh, people or authors are setting up their own account, they, you go in and you have to enter in, like you were talking about your tax information. Um, in some cases you use, if you're an author and you're, just self-publishing, you can use your social security number. Or if you have a company, then you would use exactly what you were talking about, the EIN number, which I believe is the employer, employer identification. Identification, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And you also have to set up your banking information um, with the self-publishing companies because they want to set it up where when you receive your, your royalties, your residuals, it will go in direct deposit into your bank account. So that's so something. That's, I mean, that's, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead <laughs> I was going to say that's something to consider, too, if you want to have a separate um, bank account. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I would suggest, I mean, I think if you're really treating it like a business, mm-hmm. Which I think you should, um, that it should be something separate from like your personal bank account, so that you can account for that money that comes in for your book and your sales, and be able to um, keep track of that. Absolutely, I think that's a super smart idea, especially when tax time comes and you have to yeah, enter exactly. in your info, um, because you you know you do have to report your earnings to the IRS. Um, if you have it separated out into a separate bank account, easy peasy, you know, you don't have to put a whole lot of thought into it like you would if it's all combined into your personal account, then it gets tricky. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Um, another thing is to set up the, uh, well, for the book itself, you would set up a title. Yeah. And... You would also want to consider if you wanted to have your own, quote unquote, publishing company. One of the questions that comes up when you're a self-publisher and you enter in your information is what is your imprint name? And Mm. some authors will just put their name. Uh, Some people will put uh, a a company name, Um, whether they actually establish it as its own freestanding company is is uh, the author's own choice you don't have to do that but um it it is something to think about as you're setting up your book for that publishing process sure absolutely what are some other steps in the beginning kim this is really close to your wheelhouse because you are a publisher absolutely absolutely um another part would include um, having a website. I think it's important to set up your your presence. Um, I often recommend to uh, clients to have, you know, set up your own website uh, for yourself as an author. Um, One thing I do recommend, and this again would be, you know, in in line with treating um, your book as a business, is if you're planning to write multiple books when you're considering setting up your website, Consider setting it up maybe as uh, your name author versus setting up your website in your book's name because then if you write multiple books, 
you can have them all under one website that would be like author, uh, uh, you know, Nikita Raul Stevens or, um, or, oh, what is your, your, uh, nom de plume, your, uh, 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 <laughs> your pen name for your upcoming My books. Pen name? Yes. It's uh, Nikki Simone. There we so, go. Yes. So that I've already reserved the URL and that is yes. going to be, um, where all those books are going to be housed as well. So that makes sense. Perfect. And kudos to yeah. you for setting that up. Woohoo. Um, well, thank you. You're thank you. welcome. Um, another good strategy is um, building an email list. And we talked a little bit about that when we had our episode on um, uh, uh, book magnets. Mm-hmm. It's such a yes. super smart idea. Um, the, the, sh- the short reason why is because when you have people who sign up for your email, they become like your bi your VIPs, your VIPs, <laughs> book important people, VIPs. Um, but you can set up an email list and have people who are your raving fans who are super interested in your book. You can sign them up and give them exclusive emails. Let them know, hey, my book is coming out on Tuesday. You know, heads up. And really form a community, much in the way that a lot of businesses will form um, a, a community of their most important clients. Absolutely. And I, I, I will tag that with um, also looking at what you want your presence to be on social media. Yes. Um, because you, you want to look at all the different ways you want to kind of imprint and, and, um, and touch people with your book. Um, and you know, you may decide to even go so far as to create a Facebook group. Um, there's a lot of authors that have their own Facebook groups. Um, but there's really no medium that's off limits. It really just depends on what your intention and your goal is for your book. So, um, a lot of authors use Facebook obvious is obvious. Instagram is obvious. Um, lots of authors use Twitter. I, I don't love Twitter. I have to admit um, uh, it's a pain in the ass, <laughs> yes. but, I don't like but it. <laughs> it's, um, a, a lot of authors use it. Um, so, you know, kind of look at what makes sense for you. Um, a lot of, one of, one of the mediums I think is often overlooked, um, from the social media standpoint is Pinterest. Lots mm. of authors use Pinterest. Um, so, you know, look at what you want to, um, you know, how you want to be able to, um, impact and what imprint you want to make and what the audiences look like because that's another thing that you really want to do is look at where are your people you know yes um don't do more work than you need to right (laughs) awesome so i think that will lead us nicely into our next segment where we'll talk a little bit about branding but let's go ahead and take a a break The written word is powerful. If one photo is worth a thousand words, can you imagine the value and power of putting those words to video? Power Up Video works with authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs to help you bring your powerful message to life online. Creating story-driven promotional reels, book trailers, educational course content, and much more. Power up your message with video from Power Up Video. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and at PowerUpVideo.com. Awesome. So I'm super excited to talk about books and branding. Yes, absolutely. It's a huge topic. topic. Where where do we begin, Kim? I know, right? It's huge. Um. You were touching a little bit on it, um, I think, when we were talking about social media. And I think the reason why the branding is so important is um, part of it is is um, recognizability. Like, I want people to walk in and say, oh, yeah, you know, like for some of my clients, um, I'm doing consistent looking covers. Um, a gentleman I'm working with, um, Mark Wynn has a series of books he's doing and he's calling it, his last name is Win W I N N. So it's Win wisdom series. So we always put the okay. same little logo on the bottom. And then he also has that on his Facebook page as well. So I guess the same reason that businesses have recognizable brands, um, 
you know, you would want to do the, the same kind of thing for your book. You want to build that consistency. Um, absolutely. Um, I would say um, I'm going to piggyback off of my just what I started when I was talking about social media, and I'm going to circle back to, to Facebook because I, I think uh, Facebook is, is a tool that I've seen a lot of authors use, um, and, it, and it, it's so familiar to so many of us. It's a great starting point. Yes. And what I found that a lot of authors do um, and in terms of building brand and building recognition and building trust with an audience is to create a group before your book launches, mm. you know, maybe while you're even in the stages of writing it so that you can take your readers on your journey with you, um, involve them in the process, get asked questions, get their feedback while you're in the middle of the creative process. Um, and it gives them some sense of ownership. And what happens is as you're doing that and you're building that no-like trust factor um, in the early stages, um, it allows you to nurture that group. And when, it ta- when you get to launch time, um, you don't really have to, you don't have to push hard to sell yes. because you've already been building a fan base. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And that's such a good point. Um, I, and I've, I've seen this happen with some authors where they don't take those steps. And we as authors, we put so much work into writing our book that we don't often, unless we're being intentional about it, like we're talking about, you're like, well, I'm working hard on this book. And Boy, once I release it, everybody's going to be super excited. <laughs> and, and life doesn't work that way. There's so many other things going on. And even friends and family who are well-meaning, you know, might miss it if you're not constantly keeping them reminded, you know, not not in an annoying way, but just in a fun way. Like, oh, my gosh, you guys, look at where we're at. It's going to be coming out next month. You know, just build that excitement. Exactly. Exactly. And, and there's a, a number of ways, um, gosh, it's, it's so many ways to do that. Um, a lot of, I, I know, <laughs> depending on if you are a, a career writer or if you just wanted to write a book, uh-huh. some people might be like, so sick of writing, but I'm going to recommend a blog <laughs> yes. because I think a blog is a great way. It's a, it's a great way to, again, it takes people on your journey. Yes. of what you're going through. Um, so it's just another avenue to, to build an audience. What you have to realize is one of the reasons why you want to go through multiple mediums to reach people when you look at social media, mm-hmm. when you look at blogging, when you look at your website, your email, when you look at podcasts, when you mm-hmm. look at video, there's so many different ways to reach people, and everybody has their preferred way yes. that they like to consume information. So the more you are... Um, present across those different mediums, the more opportunity you're creating for yourself. But it's also part of your responsibility to do the research and understand what does my customer avatar look like? How do they like this? Exactly. Oh, my gosh. That's such a good point. And I think sometimes we become comfortable with um, one form of social media or another. And um, you and I were both talking about Twitter. I'm not a big fan of Twitter, but... A lot of authors do use Twitter. So if you do your research and find out, um, like you said, I love that you saying your avatar. Now I'm picturing my ideal reader is 10 foot tall and blue. <laughs> I love that movie avatar. But anyway, um, um, being silly here. But, but when you have your ideal reader in mind, you know, what does he or she read or look at? You know, um, like when you're looking at your um awesome rom-com books that are coming up, you can look at, you know, what what's your average reader like? We talked a little bit about that in a previous episode, but, you know, wh- what does that person listen to? What do they like? Are they going to read a blog? Are they more likely to listen to a podcast because they don't have time um, except, you know, at night to read, something like that, you know? So you want to reach your audience where they live, even if sometimes that means that's not where you live. If Does that make sense? Exactly. Okay. And I'll give you like a, a, a simple a simple um, uh, example of that. If we use my rom-com as an example, yeah. obviously my 
target audience is going to be majority female. Right. Um, it's not that many guys reading rom-coms. Come but that's on. okay. We love um, you, rom-com guys. <laughs> we, it, we love you guys that do. But we, I, you know, one of the things we we know for for certain is that the majority of my audience is going to be female. True. Um, if I just look just just quickly um, off the top of my head in terms of what I know on the social media mm-hmm. is I know Pinterest is one of the most female dominated audiences yes. across the. Um, social media hemisphere. Um, so it would behoove me not to use that that platform when I'm putting this book out. Even though a lot of people tend to overlook Pinterest, right? Um, um, it would it would not be to me. It wouldn't be smart for me as a not as an author as a business owner mm-hmm. not to um, to use Pinterest, knowing that it matches so closely with my target audience. Oh heck yeah, that's. Absolutely, so true, and um, and you know that makes it really fun in a way too because it makes it easier in in some senses to do research because it's like, huh, let's see what some of my uh, uh, you know ideal readers are really into, and th- mm-hmm. that allows you to kind of think outside the box a little bit. Um, I'm thinking about I, I liked what you were saying about um, getting readers engaged even before your book comes out because. You know, yes. Pinterest is so visual. You could even put out there and be like, okay, guys, I'm torn between these two book covers. Which one do you like the best? And yep. it's so fun because you can have your readers get involved. And then if they feel like they voted on it, oh, my God, they feel like they're part of the process. And they're like, oh, she gets me. She <laughs> she <laughs> listens to me. And plus, it's fun yes. for you, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Very cool. So, yeah, so having that that reader focus, um, I think, too, with branding, um, and and we were just talking about covers, um, I I feel it's important to have some sort of consistency um, in your book covers and um, in in your design. What what are your thoughts about that? Absolutely. Um, Depending on your goal and your intention, it's kind of like what you were mentioning with with, uh, Mark. Yeah. Um, he has a series that he's co- has coming out. Yeah. So it's very important that those books have have a tie in, um, and that that branding across that series is consistent. I have that same goal with the series I'm working on. Nice. Um, so I want to make sure that every book cover that comes out has that consistent branding that ties it to that series. Um, there is, um, and one of the things I think you have to learn, and it's one of the, it was something I had to learn uh-huh. through the process. Of, of writing um, my books is um, to um, simplicity is is key yes. when it comes to developing your book covers. Take the time to study and look at when you're coming out with your book covers because that's something that you're doing kind of early in the process. And yes, it's part of your branding, but you want to make sure that you are based on the audience that you're trying to attract. Mm-hmm. Look at what is already out there and what types of books have already attracted that audience and the people that are buying those books and why. Why did they buy? Because think about it. Mm-hmm. You look at a book cover before mm-hmm. you look at anything else. That is your number one marketing tool um, that really draws people in. And if you've got a book that's a bestseller, that's doing this performing really well, mm-hmm. and it's in your genre, Mm-hmm. In your genre that you're trying to write in, write in, and the, and the audience that you're writing your book in, you know, study those books and and look at their covers, and it might be like, oh, I wanted to do so. You might be like, I wanted to do this, and that book is like this. But this is when you have to make those tough decisions because if you're really running your your book, if you really want to run it as a business, mm-hmm. you have to make some of those tough decisions and do things that maybe go against the grain of what you want to do. Yes. For the ser- purpose of serving the audience that you are trying to sell to. Absolutely. Um, if you're writing a book just because you want to write a book, do what you want to do. Exactly. But if you make money, <laughs> it's different. <laughs> awesome. That is such a good point. So cool. Well, we will keep talking about uh, marketing and making money in our next segment. But uh, in the meantime, let's go ahead and take a break. All right. The written word is powerful. If one photo is worth a thousand words, can you imagine the value and power of putting those words to video? Power Up Video works with authors, 
speakers, and entrepreneurs to help you bring your powerful message to life online. Creating story-driven promotional reels, book trailers, educational course content, and much more. Power up your message with video from Power Up Video. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and at PowerUpVideo.com. All right. I am so enjoying this topic. <laughs> Me too. Me too. It's a great topic. It really is. So um, we want to talk about um, marketing. And uh, I want to sing, um, uh, at, you know that Justin Timberlake song, um, Can't Stop the Feeling? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like from one of my favorite movies, Trolls. Oh, I love Trolls. Oh, my God. How awesome it. is that movie? Okay. So I want to I wanna um, come up with a slogan uh, set to that music and go, Can't Stop the Marketing. <laughs> But it's so true when you are um, getting your book out there. It's not, um, what is it? Ron Papil said it and forget it. Exactly. <laughs> ongoing. Exactly. And, and when you're talking about, when you're talking about your book and you're kind of juxtaposing it to, to a business, you know, keep in mind, um, you know, one of the number one reasons that businesses fail is because they, they lack they stop putting money in marketing. Yes. It's like they che- they put a checkbox by it and like, okay, they may have had some degree of success and they decide to move away from the marketing and then they wonder why their business fails. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's no different with your book because your book is a product. Yes. Um, and so, you know, they can, your book is a product. Products need to be marketed. And that doesn't end. It's, and I'm sorry if this makes you sad and you hate marketing, but <laughs> we are sad to break this news to you that you have to keep it going. But you know what? I feel like you're absolutely right, um, Nikita. I see often, you know, businesses fail because they stop marketing. And I think it's one of those things that sneaks up on people because um, it, it might not be an immediate drop off, meaning if you stop mm-hmm. marketing, you may not notice it tomorrow. But you may notice it in a couple of weeks, and then you're like, oh, snap, I need to do more marketing. And at that point, you're doing, I feel, a lot more work to get the word back out there again than you would have if you had just kept it going. It's it's that um, that analogy of, like, the the momentum of, like, pushing that boulder up the hill. Yes. And you've done all of that work to push that boulder up the hill. And you start getting that forward momentum, and it's working really well. (laughs) And then you stop. And then you've got to push that boulder all the way back up the hill again. <laughs> right. So, no, that's a perfect analogy. I'm just picturing like the Wiley e. Coyote or something with splat under the <laughs> rock because the rock, the marketing rock fell on his head. <laughs> Sorry, that was graphics. Sorry about that. <laughs> but it's so true. It's an ongoing thing. And especially, um, you know, with, with books, you're making um, – money residually, meaning you're getting royalties here and there. And, um, you know, especially in the beginning, one nice thing about in the beginning, when you put your book out there, um, is, uh, companies like Amazon will give preference to new releases. So it may look like, Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, I'm really doing well. Don't be fooled. You still have to keep marketing because you want to keep that momentum going after your book's been out for a month or six months or a year. You you want to still have it in the public eye. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I had a thought and it went out of my head. Oh, no. It um, will come back. Come back, thought. Come back. Come back, thought. Um, what was I going to say? Um, One thing we had talked about was... Um, or, or we're going to talk about was um, uh, depending on your strategy that there's a, a variety of different ways that you can continue to market. Um, that was my thought. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, my God. I caught your thought and brought it back. Thank you, Kim. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I, there are, I, I think there's limitless ways for you to market your book. And um, if you particularly are feeling some, some level of stress, Mm-hmm. or some level of anxiety about marketing, or you're thinking, I don't like marketing, um, realize that you can try to, you can choose the marketing mix that works best for you. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, 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 I'm all about analogies today, but what I think about <laughs> is use the analogy 
think about, okay, let's think about if you want to lose weight, right? Right. And you're like, oh, I really hate going to the gym and working out. That's not really my thing. Right. But maybe you love playing basketball or maybe you love swimming or maybe you love playing tennis. Thank you, Kim, for the visuals. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the good thing is, all those things are things that are that will get you the cardiovascular exercise that you would need going to the gym. Right. So guess what? You can do those things in lieu of going to the gym and still achieve your goal. So it's no different when it comes to marketing. Maybe you hate social media. Um, right. You're still going to have to do some of it. I'm sorry. I'm not going to take that off the list. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but maybe there are different things about marketing that you just don't like. But there are certain things that you do like. Um, maybe you like going onto a podcast and being a guest. Right. Schedule a podcast tour. Um, you know, maybe you, um, because you're a writer, maybe you like blogging. Right. Do more blogging. There's different ways. There's so, there, you can be so creative in how you, how you market and what you do right. to reach your audience um, that you don't have to feel pigeonholed into one little thing, um, especially if that's one little thing you don't like. And honestly, if it's something you don't like and you have to do it, you know what else you can do? Mm-hmm. You can outsource it. There we go. Like with social media, you could um, yeah. hire someone to do your social media for you. You may still have to yeah. be involved initially because you want to keep your brand consistent. So you don't just sure. um, turn it over to someone and say, go hog wild because you, <laughs> you want to have it remain consistent. But that doesn't mean you have to do it if you don't like it. Um, yep. And, uh, and there's definitely different ways of getting the word out. Um, I, for people who really enjoy, um, who are sociable, like we are sociable scribes. Um, if you're outgoing, um, look into doing some author events. Um, I know in the, uh, Richmond area, frequently there will be author events where you can have a, a, you know, pay a small fee and have a booth and you can reach tons of people and, if they're at a book or author event, they're often going to be some people who are your peeps. You know, they, they yep. maybe, um, uh, you know, uh, reach out. And um, I love doing a, a, a book launch. Um, I think that's one of the most fun ways to market because then you can ha- make it like a special occasion. But then you can also follow up and do book signings after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. that would go along. And I think that goes well with what you were talking about before, um, Nikita, with the, the different um, uh, ways of marketing and the different ways of reaching different people. Because the people who go to an author event um, may not be the same people who will listen to a podcast, may not be the same people who um, are on Facebook uh, constantly. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Um, so. One thing I was you just really want to have your good marketing mix. Sorry, you do. No, that's no, that was a good point. You really do want to have your good marketing mix. Um, one thing just popped in my head, and I think it was my inner um, and shout out to Shannon Loy, she's the social ginger. <laughs> my inner yeah. Shannon Loy popped in my head. I didn't know I had an inner Shannon Loy, but she um, <laughs> she just told me that um, video is really, really big. Um, so, um sure. A lot of people don't enjoy doing Facebook Live. It feels really intimidating to some people. But if you practice at it, um, go on Facebook and just talk about a part of your book. You know, talk about, um, uh, you know, an event that you have coming up. People love seeing people on Facebook Live. Um, I I know whenever, yeah, so it's a very popular thing. So think outside of what you may normally just do. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the options are really endless. The the goal is just to keep going. Don't don't look at marketing as something that you just need to check off on a box and move on to the next thing. Um, that's something that you cannot do. Um, if you want to see your business grow and sustain, meaning your book, when I say your business, I'm talking right. about your book or any future books that you have that you want to put out. Um you have to continue to put into marketing. And get don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. You're going to do, when, when we talk about doing marketing on a continuous basis, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to do a lot more marketing on the front end, of, right. of course, than you do, will on the back end. So when we talk about what you need to do to maintain, so say you, you, you do a certain amount of marketing and you've reached a goal and you're getting some good income from that book and that book is, is, is kind of, steady. Mm-hmm. You don't that's a, you don't have to do the level of marketing you did at launch to right. maintain. 
Oh, so, so true. I don't want you to think that you have to throw that much at it. It just means, but you do have to do something. So you yeah. can come, you can take it down a peg and say, you know, I'm, where I was doing 10 things in the beginning, now I'm only doing two because I'm kind of on autopilot. You can do that. I love that. And um, uh, the, the phrase simmer and boil just came up in my mind. Mm, um, I love that. You can start simmering while you're writing your book. Like, I thought that was such an excellent point you made that you can even start marketing then. Bring yep. it to a boil when your book comes out and then let it simmer yep. again. And then ever so often bring it to a little boil again and uh, and, and ramp it up. And I like that, too, love- because um, what you're talking about with when you plan to write your additional books, you've still got your presence out there. You're still reminding people, hey, I'm out here. And so you can continue mm-hmm. to kind of simmer and boil when your next book comes out. And yep. uh, people keep you in mind. I think that's the yes. most important part. So, of course, awesome. All right. Well, great topic, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll go ahead and take a break. We'll be right back. All right. And now it's time for gregarious goofballs. All right, and now it is time for gregarious goofballs. <laughs> so, what you got, Nikita? I can't wait to hear. <laughs> So mine is pretty short and sweet um, this week, and um, I can always come up with some really fun things when I think back to my college days. So do you remember? Do you remember the movie Dumb and Dumber? Yes. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember when he like got his tongue stuck on the pole? Yes. It's like a classic Dumb and Dumber thing. Yes. Never in my life. Did I think I would actually see that happen no. in real life? No. But I did. My <laughs> freshman year, my freshman year um, of college, I was walking back to my dorm, and there was this girl and her friends, and she was literally, it was, it was like no. January. She was stuck to a freaking pole. <laughs> like, <laughs> OMG, no way. She was drunk. She was so drunk. I don't know what made her do it. They had to go get, and I was just sitting there flabbergasted, like, what would possess you to do this? They had to go get warm water to separate her from the freaking hole. Oh, my gosh. That is too funny. I'm with you. I would never think you would see that in real life. Yeah. Well, I did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what you got, Kim? What's your gregarious goofball? So I was thinking about this because here recently I've had some food allergies. And so there's a few things that I can I can eat and I know I won't have any trouble. And one is potatoes. So here recently I've had this jag where I've been going to um, uh, McDonald's and I love their hash browns. <laughs> And um, yeah. so, and now that McDonald's has breakfast all day long, I'll go a lot and get hash browns. So it made me think about this was also in college. When I was in high school, my mom um, was an amazing cook. She was a home economics teacher, and so she would cook all kinds of great stuff. And so the good news was that means I didn't eat a lot of junk food when I was. Um, in high school, so when I get to college, I discovered the wonderful world of junk food. <laughs> I fell in love with um, Pizza Hut's breadsticks. Um, oh, those are good. Oh, my God, they're so good. And they were always, like, like just perfect. Like, um, they would be crispy on the outside and fluffy inside and <laughs> something about the seasoning. So I just remember we were at a party and everybody was talking about dreams that we had and, you know, things that we really wanted to do. And I said, I dreamed last night about Pizza Hut breast. <laughs> <laughs> and I really did. I would have junk food dreams. I would be like, <laughs> That's funny. it wasn't right. Also in college, and, and I don't know if, if y'all had this, um, at, at your school or not, but um, we had one main cafeteria that would serve 
Like we had a smaller one that was sort of like a little marketplace kind of thing where you could get burgers and stuff. But we had the Mm -hmm. big calf where it was like, you know, your mass produced food. And so they would have. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm saying it anyway. They would have pancakes, and they had this mixture, and it was like fake butter and syrup, and they would put it together (laughs) in the same little vat, and then they would pour it on top. And I would have dreams about this artificial butter syrup. Oh, God. (laughs) It would be like I'd be rafting down a river of butter and least healthy things in the world and I'd be like oh and then then I can have breadsticks when I get out of the syrup river (laughs) so yeah fast food dreams oh my god (laughs) the life the life there we go the written word is powerful If one photo is worth a thousand words, can you imagine the value and power of putting those words to video? Power Up Video works with authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs to help you bring your powerful message to life online. Creating story-driven promotional reels, book trailers, educational course content, and much more. Power up your message with video from Power Up Video. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and at PowerUpVideo.com. All right. Oh, my gosh. I have so enjoyed talking about this topic today. Me, too. It's been really good. And I hope this has been really helpful um, for, for everyone because this is a, t- a topic I think a lot of authors get stuck on. Exactly. And and I think it's just a different mindset. Um, I think often um, we have to think with both sides of our brain, both the left side and the right side. The right side is the creative side. And so you're yep. busy working on your stuff. But then you also, you know, have to, to bring in the uh, the other side as well, <laughs> put on your business. Side. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so once you've kind of shifted your mindset towards thinking about your a book as a business, um, you know, some of the things we talked about, like um, choosing your title, but also having like a website and an email list. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then um, looking at your social media presence and knowing that um, there's a lot of options that you can choose from. You don't have to, cho- you don't have to use all of them. It's not a one size fits all. Right. So just take a look at what your audience is and where they are and make sure you match it up accordingly. Exactly. And then um, uh, with what we were talking about with keep marketing, you know, don't just um, set it and forget it, you know, Uh, uh, put it out there, keep it going. I love your analogy about pushing the rock up the hill. You know, it is it is work. I mean, it's something that you may not have thought about as an author. But once you I think once you get into the habit of it, it makes it easier, don't you? Absolutely. Everything is easier once it becomes a habit. Everything's going to be a little bit more difficult in the beginning. You're going to have to work a little bit harder in the beginning, Mm -hmm. Um, but it pays off. It definitely pays off. Most definitely, because especially as an author, you've put all this time, effort into your writing, and you don't want to release it and then crickets. You know, nobody responds. Everybody's like, Oh, yeah. you put out a book? No, that's not the response you want. Exactly. You want, you know, people to be excited about it. And and one thing we didn't talk about is one of the best forms of marketing is word of mouth. So if you yeah. are continuing to put out your marketing through, like you were talking about having a social media presence, um, having a website, having that email list and just, um, you know, don't, don't bug the snot out of them, but just let them know. <laughs> <laughs> that you're that you're here, you know the kind of the simmer and boil thing, you know. Just hey, yep. by the way, here's what I'm doing, and do some different events. It keeps you in in you know people's um, uh, mind, which helps. Exactly, exactly. I agree. So awesome, and then um, and then branding. I think it's it's huge. Um, I I don't know if I've ever shared with you. Have we ever talked about the concept of mise en place? 
No, I don't think so. It's a cooking term. I took, um, I went to uh, University of Richmond and took their culinary course. Oh gosh, it's been a few years. But um, one of the concepts was called mise en place. And basically it translates into mess in place. But what it means is prepare all your, for a cooking standpoint, it means prepare all your ingredients ahead of time and have them all laid out so that once you're ready to cook, you have all your ingredients measured. Say you're making chocolate chip cookies, you've got your flour measured and your sugar and blah, 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 blah. Then when it's time to cook, you just put it in the bowl, mix it up, and boom, ready to go. Instead of the method where you're like, oh, snap, I don't have any chocolate chips in the the pantry. (laughs) I'm trying to make chocolate chip cookies. The same analogy I think works for this is with marketing is prepare in advance. Who's my audience? What what do they respond to? What social media do they use? What podcasts do they mm-hmm. listen to? And that way, I think when you lay it out, it makes it easier, right? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Of course. Well, yeah. awesome. This was fantastic. And as always, I, I've enjoyed this. Yes, it's been so fun. So fun. Very cool. All right. Well, peeps, if y'all have any questions for us, we would absolutely love to answer them for you. And um, please be sure to um, subscribe to our podcast. And uh, if you would like and be so inclined, please leave us a lovely review. We will read every single one of them and be very excited. <laughs> yes, we will. And check us out on our on social media. We're on Social Tribes on Facebook. Um, we stay pretty well engaged on that. So we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. We're on Instagram also. And Woo-hoo. we have our website. Woo-hoo. So we practice what we preach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome.